every interaction that you have, every part of your day, whether it's answering an email, whether it's listening to a podcast, whether it's like having lunch with a friend, whatever it is, that interaction with somebody else will end one of three ways. You will feel better, worse, or exactly the same. Welcome to the Elevate Your Brand podcast, where we help online coaches learn how to elevate their brand, become the experts in their industries so they can bring in more clients and create a life they want. I am your host, Chris Anderson. And if you want to make a difference in the lives of others, share this episode, go over to Apple Podcasts and follow us there to leave a positive rating and review. And together, we can leave a bigger positive mark on the world. Today, we have Brittany Hodak on the show, and she is an international keynote speaker and award-winning business leader. Entrepreneur calls her an expert at creating loyal fans for your brand, and she's pretty much the go-to source on creating and retaining super fans. We're excited to have her on the show today to dive into building loyal fans. So, Brittany, welcome to Elevate Your Brand today. Thanks, Chris. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. So... You do a lot of things and everybody just, you need to get connected with her at the end. She'll share how to do that because she's done a lot. She's super successful, a lot of awards and records and things of that nature that we could spend a whole episode just going through all that. But really excited to dive into this topic of building super fans, retaining super fans. But how did you get on that avenue of helping people build these super fans? Yeah, to be honest, it was a complete accident. When I was growing up, I always wanted to work in the entertainment industry. I got my first job when I was 16 as a radio station mascot. And (laughs) from there, had a lot of like really fun jobs at the radio station. The most fun was one that stemmed from the fact that my maiden name was Brittany Jones. And this movie, Bridget Jones Diary, was coming out. And the station manager said, what could we do and call it your diary? And I said, you're always trying to drive more traffic to the website. What if I just interviewed the bands who came to town and wrote about it? And she said, oh, like that other movie, that almost famous movie. Yeah, that's getting a lot of Oscar buzz right now. Let's definitely do that. So all of a sudden as a then 17 year old kid, it became my job to literally hang out with rock stars and brag about it on the internet. That's awesome. That'd be a lot of fun. Any memorable band that you interviewed? Oh my gosh. So many. It was like, (laughs) this was like the late nineties, early 2000s. So it was everybody. It was like, I got to hang out with Third Eye Blind and Matchbox oh, wow. 20 and Blink-182 and all of these artists that I absolutely loved. And because a lot of times I was going to music festivals, I would also meet all of these up and coming bands. And so I started to get really interested in what it was that made some bands break while others would break up. Like, why did some become the biggest thing in the world and others just didn't? And so I really started trying to find the common denominators. Like what was it that was going to make a band successful? For a while, I thought I would want to work in the A&R department at a record label, Mm -hmm. the people who discover, sign, and then shepherd bands up through their Uh careers. And so what I started to realize was that almost 100% of the time that like differentiator was how the bands connected with their, did they care about those fans Uh or were they just, we're playing to people and we don't care who they are. Ones who felt more connected and the ones who went out of their way to connect more with their fans were the ones who were rewarded with this loyalty, the people who wanted to come back, who told their friends. And fast forward several years, I moved to New York. I was working for a record label. I started doing more stuff with brands and I got really fascinated in the fact that the psychology was the same. 
for a brand. Like the things that make a consumer want to be loyal to a brand are the same thing that makes somebody want to be loyal to a sports team or a movie star, a recording artist. So I went back to school. I got my master's degree in marketing and consumer behavior. And I really started to try to look for what were these parallels and could I create a system? Could I come up with a formula that anybody could follow to say, if I follow this formula, I will get more people to care about my thing, whatever that is, whether it's a small business, a big business, a personal brand, like whatever it is, could I come up with a way to teach people to create super fans? That's awesome. So who would you say nowadays, if you're looking at them artist wise, who does it really well? that you've seen building super fans for them? There are a lot in the artist space. One yeah. who is clearly at the top of the game is Taylor Swift. I was going to assume it was her. I, that's who popped in my head when I was thinking the question. Yeah. And there's so many, there's dozens of artists that, that do a really fantastic job and have topped the charts. And then there's thousands of artists who have their own little communities of super fans. But the reason I say Taylor and one of the stories that I tell in the book is the first time I met Taylor and she was, I think, 17 at the time. She was 16 or 17 and I was 22. And we met at an award show and it was the award show where she won her first ever award. It was the CMT awards and she mm. won a trophy or a belt buckle because they had belt buckles. That <laughs> I think they still do like a belt buckle trophy for music video of the year. And one, the male lead of her video was an artist who I'd become friends with because I interned at his label when I was in college. So at this after party, after the show, the three of us were talking. And at the time, Taylor was known for connecting with fans on MySpace. That was her thing. She was, she would wait for two hours after every show to meet every fan. She knew everybody's name. She was like hugging people. That was her thing. So I was talking to her about it because I was curious how much of that was her, like was genuine from her versus a really smart marketing strategy from a record label. And I worked at a label at a time. So we were like talking about all these things. And she said something to me that I'll never forget as a teenager. She said, more than anything, I want this debut album to go platinum, which means to sell a million copies. And I know that if a million people are going to spend their money to buy my album, I've got to make them care about me. And I've got to make them care enough about me that they'll care about my music. So she knew like at 16 years old that she was the product and she was going out of her way to show fans that she cared about them so that they would check out her. And I'll never forget that night of her saying that because I just remember thinking, and at the time I'd, I'd interviewed so many artists in my job as a teenager, I'd worked with a bunch of artists already, even though I was still young. And I remember thinking, this girl is going to be the biggest star on the planet. And I told my friend who I was at the, who I was at the party with, I was like, yeah, like she's going places. This is not like a blip on the radar, couple of hits. Like she's got it figured out and she's going to have fans forever. Like the people who love her now are going to grow with her. And I remember at the time, which is like hard to imagine now, but at the time, a lot of people were dismissive of, oh, it's a flash in the pan. Like all of her fans are like 10 year old girls. As soon as there's like a cute new boy that comes out, (laughs) they're going to not be into Taylor anymore. She's like the flavor of the week. That was the this prevailing attitude of a lot of the like establishment people in country music at the time. And I just remember thinking like, nope, this girl has got it figured out. And 15, 16 years later, whatever it is, like clearly she's done okay for herself. Just yeah, just a little bit. She's done all right, I guess. So no, but my wife's one of those. 
she enjoyed Taylor Swift when she was younger. She still like like listens to new songs and stuff, and she's in her twenties now. And so it's like she is how Taylor even went from country now into her pop or what she is today. Just the transformation and still grew is really cool. So break that down. Break that down. What is the secret sauce? What's that formula to help you know build these super fans that in turn help you grow? your brand or business. I always like to say that super fans are created at the intersection of your story and every customer story. And what I mean by that is if you don't make someone care about your thing, you're never going to be more than a commodity provider, never going to be more than like a quick fix solution. If you're the most convenient, if you're the fastest, if you're the cheapest, whatever, maybe you'll get it right. In a world that's becoming more and more of a commodity market all the time, the way that you compete and win is on experience by creating amazing customer experiences. And to do that, you've got to start thinking about the experience before somebody's even your customer, because there's never been more competition for our attention than there is right now. That's going to continue going the straight up trajectory motion forever. Like there are going to continue to be these distractions that exist. So the biggest threat that every business faces is apathy, right? It's not awareness. It's not that you can't get people to know about your brand. It's that the people who know don't care. And when they don't care, it's often because you have not given them a reason to. You haven't shown them why your thing is relevant to their life. Or as I say, you haven't connected your story to theirs. And this is true of anything, right? This is true of a startup brand. This is true of a brand that's been around for centuries. This is true of an artist trying to make it. This is true of somebody who wants to be an influencer. You've got to connect your story to your customers. You've got to connect your thing to their problem, their life. How do you make their life better? So the framework that I talk about in the book is a five-step framework that I call the supermodel. And I call it that because it's fun, but also because it's simple to remember. And I'm a huge fan of simplicity. If something is hard, like nobody is going to do it. You do not need to have like, you know, a guide for your team that looks like, a Boeing Dreamliner manual. I meet people all the time who are like, oh yeah, here's our here's our service blueprint or here's our customer journey map. And it's 9,000 cells in Excel. And I'm like, cool. When was the last time somebody looked at this? And it's, oh, we gave it to people three months ago and no one has looked at it since, right? So you've got to keep things simple. So the supermodel framework is a five-part framework that anybody can use for their business. And the theory is that if you want to create super fans, being great is no longer good enough. You've got to be super. And super stands for start with your story, understand your customer story, personalize, exceed expectations, and repeat. And we can quickly talk about any of those that you want or all of yeah. That's the secret sauce. That's the formula. I love it. And, I, and again, I'm all about keeping things simple. And so with that, so how do we start with their short? Like where... Could you hear about marketing, find a niche down and connect with the content you put out has to connect. And we do that with our story. So how do people do that? How do they connect their story with the people that are trying to help with their product, service, whatever it is? Yeah. So the reason that I say start with your story is not that you should lead with your story, that you should be out there like shouting your story to everyone. What I say, what I mean when I say start with your story is you've got to understand 
why you're the right solution. If you don't know why you're the best choice for your prospects and customers, like how are they ever going to be able to figure it out? Or they're going to just think that you're not. So I'm always amazed when I talk to entrepreneurs or salespeople and I say, tell me why you're the absolute best choice to help your customers. And they're like, because I've been doing it for 15 years. And I'm like, wrong answer. Nobody cares. (laughs) (laughs) So start with your story means getting clear on what is your superpower? What are you better at than anybody else? What do you bring to the table as an individual? What does your company bring to the table? What does your product bring to the table? What is, what is that? Why do you exist? Why should somebody care? That's a really what you're trying to answer when I say start with your story is like, so what? Who cares? Why should I care? I talk in the book about creating an origin story. Every great superhero has an origin story. We know as humans, stories are like way more powerful and persuasive than any amount of data or research. People have evolved to trust stories, to share stories. So getting clear on your origin story. How did you get from where you started out to where you're at right now? And why is that relevant to the people you're trying to serve? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think even for me, like trying to convey that and connect that sometimes is a challenge because you want to provide the value, but you want, like you said, you want people to care. And so it's walking that line, I think, and we can all, we're all improving at it. And I think it's something that we can just continue to do our best. Just put something out there and continue to try to build off of that. And, but yeah, I think differentiating yourself from everyone else with that origin story is, I think that's a huge part in really building those super fans for sure. Yeah. And what you're really trying to do is go from a potential commodity provider in the minds of your prospects and customers to a category leader, maybe even a category of one. Because when you do that, when you can share your story in an authentic way that connects with people, they don't want to work with someone like you. They want to work with you. They're not looking for somebody who does what you do. They're like, no, I already know who I want to work with. So what you're doing is nurturing all of those prospects so that by the time a lead gets to you, they are like so pre-qualified that they're just like, take my money. Yeah. So besides starting with your story, I guess the next step, what's the best way to go about that after you've maybe started with your story? Yeah. So the second pillar in the supermodel framework is understand your customer's story. And one of the things that I think has become oversimplified to a fault is this idea of, oh, I've got my customer avatar and I know exactly who they are. And we like create these silly little stories. And I think a lot of times what that does is excludes a lot of people who might actually be a great fit. It makes us have like tunnel vision rather than focusing on like sugar hips or like whatever (laughs) these like silly alliterative names people give their, their avatars or whatever, whatever people are calling them. Instead of doing that, I recommend really getting to know a few of your existing customers Mm. or the prospects that you want to be your customers. What are they struggling with? What's the transformation that they're looking for in their life? Because it's probably not whatever you think that surface thing is that you're doing or selling. If you're a massage therapist, like, what is it? Is it relaxation? Is it health? It's not just, oh, I need a 60 minute massage right now today. In the one of the early episodes of my podcast, Creating Superfans, I interviewed a local photographer named Fizza Raza, and she does corporate photography, like headshots, branding photos. And she said the big transformation in her business was when she realized she was selling confidence. 
She was mm. like, I'm not selling photos. Like I'm selling confidence. People are coming to me. And even if it's subliminal, like even if they don't realize it yet on some level, the reason that they want new photos is because they don't feel confident in the ones that they have. So what is the actual problem that you're solving for your customers? What are they struggling with? What's that transformation that they're looking for? Getting clear on the other options that they have. A lot of times, again, we have the blinders on thinking that our only competitors are the people who look just like us or sell exactly the same thing we do or do the same service. And that, that could not be further from the truth. Like your competition is like literally everyone else doing anything, right? Yeah. Because the option isn't just to find someone like you. The option is maybe I'll just put all my money in crypto or whatever, really taking the time. In the book, I talk about the idea of active listening, what that means and how you do it and how you can really start to connect more deeply with your prospects and your customers to improve not just that relationship one-on-one, but also to take those learnings and continue to refine the way you talk about your story, the way you try to connect with people and the whole cycle. Yeah, that's a really good point is taking it to that deeper level, like how your friend who did the headshots realized it was confidence more than just photos. I think that's really, that's a really good eye opener. I think a lot of people need to understand is you might have whatever your program or service. What's the result and the deeper result? Maybe it's not just helping them get more clients Maybe what you're doing is helping them get confidence in sharing their message or something like that. I think that's a really good eye opener is really digging deep into their story and what you're truly helping them with. Exactly. So I guess in what other ways I know becoming memorable is a big thing in the minds of your audience too. So is there any tips that you could give people if they're a lot of them are on social media? trying to grow an audience, utilizing podcasting. So they're understanding their story. They're getting to understand on a deeper level their audience's story. But what are some other things that they can do to connect like a Taylor Swift, connect with these audience members to build that, that raving fan, that super fan in a different way as they're learning the stories? Yeah, I would say... You know, exactly what Taylor Swift was doing 15 years ago. It still <laughs> yeah. works today. On So on the very last episode of her talk show way back, like a decade ago, Oprah was reflecting on the show and she said something, and I'm going to like butcher the quote a little <laughs> bit, but I'll give you the idea of it. She said that on the show, she had talked to like tens of thousands of people and everybody wanted the exact same thing. And that thing was validation. Mm. They wanted to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Do I matter to you? Does what I say matter? And to the extent that you can validate people, that you can show them that they matter, they will remember. So whether you're on social media or like at the grocery store, really connecting with people, having honest conversations, letting them know that you care about them Look with no agenda, not like I care about you. Give me $97, but like really taking the time to get to know people. So we grew up with the golden rule, right? Treat others Mm -hmm. the way you want to be treated. Yeah. One of the theories that I talk about in my book, Creating Superfans, is this idea that was coined by Dr. Tony Alessandra in a book he wrote called The Platinum Roll. And he said, don't treat others the way you want to be treated. Treat others the way they want to be treated, because not everyone wants to be treated the same way as you. And this is true 
at every stage of the customer journey, right? Not everyone wants to be communicated with in the same way via the same channels at the same time. Not everybody wants their sales cycle to look exactly the same. So again, getting to know what it is that your customers want, understanding what you're uniquely positioned to provide, what you want people to say about how it feels to work with you, what concessions you're willing to make or what hoops you're willing to jump through to make things easy for your customer. Knowing all of those things allows you to personalize that experience. And you can do this on social media as well. And what that looks like on social media is remembering that the secret to social media is hidden like right there in the name and people forget. Number one, social. Like you've <laughs> got to be social. You can't like post and ghost. Don't just schedule out all your stuff and disappear. You've got to engage with people. You've got to show yeah. that you have an interest in what's going on in their lives, that you're paying attention to the things that matter to them. And then the second half media, if you were running Netflix or pick any streaming service you want, like how would you curate your content? Mm-hmm. Shows would you put up? Which ones would you be creating that were original to you? Which ones would you be sharing that you licensed from somewhere else? That's the secret. Yeah. You've got to be social and you've got to think about what you're sharing and the message that it sends to your audience. Are you building a brand that makes them remember that's your identity or are you just confusing them and they're like, wait, who? what does this person do? What are they talking about? It's what mm-hmm. they're all over the place here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something to remember is to keep it linear, like to keep it simple so people can understand what it is you do by what you're curating. I think that was good to think of social media in that way. Of course, being social and just having good interaction and engagement, but what you're putting out there, is it all fit? Um, And again, it doesn't have to be perfect starting out. Like you can have just putting something out there and then you just improve upon that as you go forward. I think getting started at least with the direction is important. That's what something I have seen on social media. Like, you know, you have the people who just straight up send you a message to sell something and or whatnot or have the ads or not. Do you find that there is, it probably not a one, one size fit all type thing, but in your opinion, building fans on social media, is there a good way to go about connecting with them better than others? Or I, I don't know. I just, I feel like, it's getting so saturated, not that it is because there's still room, but like with messages and comments because people are so quick on there, like how to kind of cut through all the noise, but still be social and connecting in a true form. Like how do we differentiate ourselves that way on social media? So two things I would say, number one is authenticity. Anytime you are leaving an authentic comment or message or sending a DM, it's going to break through, right? Because what gets lost in the noise is the noise. Like all of the, yay, so excited for you. This is fantastic. Obviously that's not going to stand out in somebody's mind. So number one, I would say be authentic. And number two, I love this quote from, I think it's Albert Einstein who said, and I think he was talking about Instagram when he said this, I'm like pretty sure he said, (laughs) not everything that can be counted counts and not everything that counts can be counted. Again, I think he was talking about the gram. And so what Albert Einstein said when he was reflecting on his social followers was that, or what he was implying was that the metrics that are most visible aren't always, and I would even say aren't often the ones that matter most. And having a million followers means nothing if those people don't know who you are. And if they're not engaged, give me 500 true 
super fans, over 5 million followers any day. Yeah. And yeah, that's a great point. I, I love that quote too. And I say it's the same with, cause we focus on podcasts and helping with people with podcasts, video podcasts. And it's always how many downloads do you have or how many people per month? I'm like, don't focus on that. Focus on the content you're putting out there, who you're helping your story and your audience's story. And that'll come. Those numbers will come. But if you focus all on that, then you're not going to be coming up and coming out authentically on there because you could have a hundred people per episode listening and 75 are those really good super fans. And they will make more of a difference for your journey than having thousands per episode that you just had someone find for you and they just hit the download button, but they never listen. So like, I think that's a, a great point that people, yeah, exactly. especially early on. Yeah, just early so on. And, and, it, and it. that's why it's so important to be so clear on your story, who the right audience is. Because again, like having a thousand of the wrong people engage with your message does not do anything for you. Yeah. Uh, I remember several years ago, I was writing for Forbes and some friends of mine launched an agency, an entertainment agency. And they'd ask if I would write about it for Forbes. And I said, yes, I'd love to. And so I worked on the story with them and we, we posted it and Forbes promoted it. And it, there just wasn't that much engagement. And I think it had 12 or 1300 views on Forbes.com. And I just remember being like so disappointed because I felt like I'd let my friends down, even though I hadn't, like they were thrilled with the story. But most of the stories that I was writing were getting like tens of thousands of views. And I was like, oh, I wish this had performed better. And then three days after the story went up, they got a phone call from John Bon Jovi, who <laughs> had read the story and was like, I want to work with you. And they were so excited. And so I've always taken that with me. Of Even if it's only 1200 people, like one of yeah. them might be John Bon Jovi. And yeah. would it have been as effective if a million random people who weren't going to hire them had read that story? No, but because right. John Madovi read it and called them and said, hey, let's work together, that led to a real outcome. So just focus yeah. on the content, focus on telling the right story in the right place and the right people will find. That's so good. And that's so true too, because you don't, yeah, you don't have to have millions. It just takes a couple of really good clients as well to then start that ripple effect of referrals that then continues the, and then you just grow organically. You just focus on who you're trying to help and how with their story, like you mentioned. And I think if you're just doing that and you're taking the right action to get out there, I think that's the most important part. So with that, how can we over deliver with these clients, these fans that we've built or connected with to maybe get them from fans to those super fan level after we've had that initial connection or, or working with? So I know we've only got a little bit of time left. There is a whole section yeah. in the book about exceeding your customer's expectations. But one quick thought that I will share is I talk about this idea that every interaction that you have, every part of your day, whether it's answering an email, whether it's listening to a podcast, whether it's like having lunch with a friend, whatever it is, that interaction with somebody else will end one of three ways. You will feel better, worse, or exactly the same. It made mm. your day better. It made your day worse. Or it was like a nothing burger that you forget about and move on with your life. <laughs> I refer to these as net negative, net positive, and net neutral experiences. And to the extent that you can deliver net positive experiences and net positive outcomes for your customers and your prospects, you will create super fans. 
How can you make something easier than they thought it was going to be better than they thought it was going to be more enjoyable than they thought it was going to be. And if you use that lens, like if that's your only lens, you will find so much success because you can look at every single part of your customer journey and say, what is my customer expecting? What are my competitors delivering? How can I do better? Yeah. How can I turn this neutral into a positive? And can you make every experience a positive? Of course not. There are going to be things where you mess up or things go wrong, where you've got to apologize. But with thoughtful preparation, you can take it from a negative to a neutral oftentimes. And your customers don't expect you to be perfect with rare exceptions. If you're like a <laughs> pilot or a brain surgeon, yeah, like probably yeah. perfection <laughs> is like the bar. But for most of us, people don't expect you to be perfect 100% of the time. They expect you to try your best, do a great job for them and fix things when you mess up, own up to them, apologize and fix them. Yeah, I think that's really good. And I like the net positive, neutral and negative way to look at things and how can you get to people at least to neutral and then of course to positive. What can you do better? What can you implement that's different and goes above and beyond kind of what the competition does. So I think those that's a really good way to, to look at things. And I think it, what you said about it, there's it, no one's perfect and we're not going to be perfect. We're going to mess up, but just own it. I think it can take a little bit of stress off too. Because if you go into a thing, I need to be perfect. It's got to be perfect. Yes, you want to go and think, hey, I'm going to do the absolute best I can. But if you put that much stress on this needs to be perfect, then it's, it most of the time ends up worse than what you wanted it to do because you're so stressed about it. But so no, I think that's great. And I think these are just some good stepping off points for people trying to build their audience, build these super fans. Again, you don't have to have the whole world. You just need to have your own little world of super fans that'll help continue to grow. Bernie would love for you to share now we're closing off this episode. Where can people find you? Where can they find your book? Tell us a little bit more about that and where they can connect with you. Thank you. And thank you so much again for having me on the show, Chris. It's been so much fun. People can find me at brittanyhodak.com. And I won the SEO lottery when I married my husband. There aren't a lot of other Brittany Hodaks. So I am at Brittany Hodak on pretty much every social media platform. And people can find the book, Creating Superfans, How to Turn Your Customers into Lifelong Advocates, everywhere books are sold. I'm very excited. This book is available in a beautiful color hardcover edition. And it's at every every major bookstore chain and a lot of the really great indies across the country. So you can go pick it up in person or, of course, you can order it online. That's fantastic. So yeah, if you all are wondering how to build super fans, grab her book, get connected with her on social media and just continue to implement these steps. Again, Brittany, thank you so much for being on Elevate Your Brand today. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. And everyone, make sure you actually implement. That's the big thing with elevating our brands and our positions is you can learn all of these things. You can listen. But unless you actually take action and go out there and try to implement and continue to grow, you're going to stay in the same spot. So go out there, take action, elevate yourself and elevate the world around you and tune in next week for another great episode. And thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. If you found value at all from this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get this show, these messages out in front of more people. And don't forget to share this with someone who you think could benefit from listening to as well. 